Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in. It's hour number two of the early line here on National Championship Monday. Kevin Walsh, Donnie Rideside at SportsGrid. As you know, live again on a Monday morning here, April 3rd, 2023. Giving you all the details that you need. We will preview the national championship game in this hour, as well as a packed slate of Major League Baseball here. Some rumors, Donnie, I've heard. Some are saying due to the pitch clock changes, people more excited about Major League Baseball than the national championship game today. Is that true? Is that, I mean, can you confirm or deny such rumors? Yeah, we got to have a pitch clock here in the national championship game of why it starts at 9.20 here. I mean, come on mm-hmm. now. What time's that game getting over tonight here? Especially in the last minute of the game when each team has three full timeouts with 19 commercial breaks and all of a sudden refs have no idea how much time is left on the clock and have to change point one repeatedly on the clock. I do appreciate Major League Baseball, though, is running head-to-head. The NBA takes off, right? Kind of, you know, a little basketball deal there. Major League Baseball is like, yeah, you know what? Let's move all our day games back as well. We don't don't like that that their start time there. Uh, Let's keep with the action. Let's keep with the action, though, in the NFL draft. There's a couple of uh, interesting notes here. Here's what I want to start with, the Will Levis news. Uh, So this is a report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN who said there is, quote, buzz league-wide about the Colts selecting Will Levis fourth overall. So you look at the odds right now, team to draft Will Levis. The Colts are the favorites at plus 180. It's in the Vegas Raiders at 4-1. to The Colts are also the favorites to draft Anthony Richardson at plus 200. Here is why betting the draft is, again, it's very interesting. It can be a little difficult, but it also can be very, very profitable if you trust the information that you have in front of you. When we go out and we bet on information on a game, just a a hypothetical, right? DRS, tonight it comes out, Hawkins, the illness has gotten worse. He cannot play in the national championship game. You run to the sports book, you try and grab seven and a half before the line moves, line moves, it's five, great job. They still have to play the game, right? There's no certainty in that. If Jeremy Fowler comes out and says, the Colts are drafting Will Levis, there's no upset. It's simply, can I get this bet in before the odds are unbettable? There is no, oh my goodness, what? they're not playing a game. You're simply betting on information and if people have accurate information. Now, there's probably, Donnie, too much time from now until we get to the draft. But plus 180, 
when Jeremy Fowler, a very legitimate reporter, tells us, yeah, everybody thinks the Colts are drafting Will Levis. It's a tempting number. It is a tempting number also, Kevin. Quite it's a regular season sporting event. Let's just take the NFL. Now, as much as everybody says, oh, the script is in place. This is what the NFL wanted to happen. That's nuts. That's ludicrous. That's, that's not happening here. But there is some a little bit of expectations where information behind the scenes trades hands and sometimes where there's smoke there is going to be fire because teams talk it's not as if like i used to joke about the the vegas raiders once they had gruden and also uh, mayock as the gm where they wouldn't even tell anybody in the rest of their organization who they were drafting because they'd be afraid it would get out well granted they probably should have let it get out so they could ruin all their draft picks because most of those picks were terrible by the raiders as is but these information talks these leaks get out here smokescreen season is underway kevin but you can believe that the Colts are looking quarterback, right? We don't know which one exactly, but they probably are looking Levis. And if you're in it for a quarterback and your first three quarterbacks are done, including Anthony Richardson, who might go three overall mm-hmm. to the Cardinals, then yeah, it's probably a great option that Levis might be drafted fourth overall by the Colts. Radio audience is here on a Monday morning, early line, Sirius X7, Channel 159. Now, here is why. I think it, it, the number still stays plus, and you see it with the Colts being favored to draft Anthony Richardson at, at plus 200. Is the team drafting third, the Cardinals, probably don't want a quarterback. And there certainly seems to be interest elsewhere in the league to come up and draft a quarterback, Anthony Richardson most notably. Do the Colts prefer Will Levis or... or are the Colts settling for Will Levis? Well, if the Colts prefer Levis, great. If they really prefer Anthony Richardson, they might need to come up to number three to block specifically their own in-division opponent, the Tennessee Titans, who are now being rumored to be interested in coming up to third overall. The specifics of who they draft, again, that kind of always we have to see. But Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network thinks that they could very well be interested in making that move. Anthony Richardson is right now minus 110 to go third overall. But to who seems to be the the big question mark right now And if the Colts did come up to three, Donnie, because they didn't want to let Richardson fall out of their grasp and they don't want to let the Titans block them, are the Titans going to come up to four or does Will Levis go into a free fall? I mean, I can't believe we're talking about trading up for Will Levis at this point as if he's sure. He's a big, strong kid, looks the part here. But if you watch the pro day, and forget about the pro day, just his regular days on Saturdays in the SEC, Fine prospect, maybe so, but the fact that teams will be kicking down the doors and also, do the Colts want to draft Will Levis? No! They're going to told you a month ago, like, hey, that kid in Alabama, that's the guy I want. They don't want Will Levis. And also, go live at a draft party for the Colts. Fourth overall pick, Will Levis. Ah, oh, man, I'm going home, man. This is ridiculous. What do you pick this guy for? That's what you're going to get the response from. Maybe the Panthers will trade back at one and draft Will Levis at four, which would oh. be tremendous. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Back to right here on the early line. I was tempted to break off into a Malik Willis de- conversation, not debate. There's no debating about Malik Willis. I've decided, though, as I was just reminded by something during the break about the fun that we get to have on Moneyline, we'll do it there. Moneyline, 1 p.m. start time, Sports Grid Radio. Myself and Donnie will handle the whole, uh, we'll handle it all. We'll handle it all. Uh, that's kind of how I see it here. Let's get to Major League Baseball. Before we preview what is a packed slate of action, I think it would be appropriate, though, to talk about the opening weekend. What we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. If perhaps uh, there's any chance that Don didn't like anything from Major League Baseball, feels very unlikely here. I'll, I'll, I'll let you start kind of catching your eyes. How do we feel? High energy. What are the takeaways? Yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good weekend overall. You had a mixed bag, Kevin. Of course, you had a mixed bag with weather as well. Some teams scored, some teams didn't. Some teams played as well, some teams didn't. We'll see how that balances out through the length of the season itself. But there was one game in particular. Now, granted, Kevin, I know Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we did have night games out here. But I wasn't really paying attention to that one. Because my whole centerpiece for why everybody should like the pitch clock and certainly gaining momentum and everybody, including the players, seems to love it, was Sunday night baseball. They didn't score a lot of runs there, but the game time was two minutes and 24 seconds. You say, why is that important? First pitch at 7 o'clock, final pitch at 924. Everybody tucked away in bed, can rise and shine in the morning, or what would have been better, Kevin? A 2-1 to game that ended at 1024 Eastern last night. The simple fact of the matter is we're getting more, more, I should say probably more game in less required time here. And isn't that what everybody likes here at this point? Pitchers are getting the baseball, getting back on the mound and throwing pitches. This is exactly what we wanted here. We're getting a lot of action in a more condensed frame, and last night was the game I was most likely to watch. Because Philly's game, yes, of course. But I wanted to see how long that game actually went, and it looks like it's working like a charm right now. The pitch clock is absolutely sensational, Kevin, and I can't wait to watch it play out through the rest of Major League Baseball season. Yeah, I think – when I try, and, I try and look at the reaction, and the only people that seem to not like the pitch clock are the people that decided a long time ago they didn't like the pitch yes. clock. I, I think anybody that liked it or that was excited about it or was neutral have really, really been happy about it. There is one change, though, Donnie, in terms of mm-hmm. that if it seems to be kind of the biggest difference to me in, instead of the, the length of games. Stolen bases. I'm going to ask you to explain to me slash our audience the rule changes here and kind of what's taking place. But the there's a massive uptick right now 
in attempts at stolen bags and the success rate is rising as well to my understanding the there's a limit now on the amount of times that you can throw over to first base and we increase the bag now the people that are angry have made it sound like the size of second base is the equivalent to the size of the outfield okay, what what exactly were the rule changes and why do you think we're seeing this massive uptick right now in attempts and success rate it's pretty simple now the, the bases are bigger so therefore there's not as far of a distance from first to second base but we're not talking about five feet kevin we're talking about basically five inches but that does help how many times in major league baseball when you steal second base it's a bang bang play well now you actually get an extra you know fingertip in there that could make all the difference but let's also realize what is actually happening here you can't throw over to first base endless times let's just take a case in point of past 10 years billy hamilton remember on the reds you couldn't stop the guy all he did was come in it's like just give him second base because he's going to steal but you know what pitchers did how many left-handed pitchers do you see on the mound they come set in their stance and they look over to first base for like 30 seconds before somebody finally calls timeout. Then they do it again. Then they throw over three times, Kevin, just to try to throw off his timing. But you can't do that anymore in Major League Baseball. You can't throw over endless times. There is a limit to how much you can do that. And also, Kevin, the pitch clock, the runner knows that. Five, four, three. Oh, look, he's not throwing over. Boom, I'm going right now because he's going to get himself into a ball situation. It's sensational here. It's more players being active during the game, and that's why we're seeing more stolen bases. Everything, just like the NFL, is starting to cater more towards the offense, and I like it. Also, Kevin, just to double down, we talk about the shift, and if you're watching baseball games, do you know what you're recognizing right now? I watched it multiple times in just flipping through baseball games. Do you notice the second baseman actually making plays now, Kevin? Ground balls to the right side, diving plays to his left, diving plays to his right. I'm pretty sure most of the second baseman, I need a pay grade upgrade now. This is ridiculous. I used to have six <laughs> other players with me where I didn't have to die for anything. Now I actually have to be an athlete again. It's wonderful to watch. It really is. No, people just mentioned that as well. It actually now is going to reward defense. Those yes. changes that, that have been yes. made. But again, just to circle back quickly on the stolen base thing, where I think part of it also, though, Donnie, sometimes is just an increase in confidence. I think for so long, no, like, you know what? Let's not get thrown out on the base paths here. We got to run around. Let's just try and hit a two-run home run. I think there's an increase in confidence. Of course, there's an increase in, in willingness Hitting to do run. that. And yeah. sometimes for me, you know, there's certain things about sports like, man, how does that not work every single time? Right. I'll give you a, it's a little extreme example, but this is an old, this is a Donnie take from money line. Once we're watching a soccer game and a guy went up for a penalty shootout. And essentially it's like, you explain to me how anybody ever misses a penalty, right? So on a lesser level, like that's how I feel about a stolen base. How does it, how does it, how are they not getting there successfully? And again, I think you just kind of increase some of those things to the level, but also where that's really relevant and something you and I love to do. That has to do with in-game betting. Guy gets on to first, right? Yeah. And now you go, ooh, you know what? That guy's going to go. Let me bet this now while he's on first before he gets into scoring position. The odds are going to change, and they're going to be in my favor. Those are the kind of things that can make the difference there. And, and those are the some, and, and those, again, those are just the little changes, I think, uh, that come. I don't want to force a preview in, so then I'm going to bring up something yeah. else. And I'm sure people say this is through the prism of a Yankee fan. Listen, you consume your teams, though, more than others. But I have said many times 
over the offseason that I expected a relatively speaking down year from Aaron Judge. Now, it is a three-game sample size. However, he looks amazing. He's, again, multiple home runs, four RBIs. He's batting 462. I've said consistently that I think Otani is going to run away with the AL MVP. I guess my question would be, DRS, if does Aaron Judge need to genuinely repeat what he did last year to be comp- how to be competitive with Otani due to again the special nature that Shohei is like is the floor for Judge 60 home runs to be in the race with Otani yes and maybe even more at that wow. point because it's that Giannis fatigue in the NBA you saw yesterday Kevin Giannis went nuts they blew the Sixers off the court Giannis was the main ingredient mm-hmm. there Giannis is now basically going to be dropping back any day now to 10 to 1 or higher and because it doesn't make sense here. We need higher expectations for players, and sometimes it's not fair. Let me tell you right now, Kevin, like let's just say he hit 55 home runs. People have to be like, hey, it wasn't good as last year. 55 yeah. home runs, which he probably would be clear 10 of the next closest player in his league. But the fact that Otani mm-hmm. has the ability to hit 280, 35 home runs, and then have an ERA of around three. It's rich. It, I mean, granted, it's hard to compete with because nobody does that. He should be the MVP. No, even if he had a five ERA and threw 175 innings, that's ridiculous in itself. That's why he would get the nod. So, yes, Judge probably has to hit 65 home runs to be back in the conversation. <laughs> Which, it's outrageous, but what am I going to get mad at your answer? I asked the question for a reason. I, I Right? It is... Last year, he hit 62, flirted with a triple crown, and people still voted for Otani in terms of first-place voting there. So, yeah, probably, probably, but also it could set up for a phenomenal race between the two, which would be awesome. We preview your baseball slate coming up, though, here, including a little same-game parlay for the people. Let's keep it rolling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, let's hit this baseball preview here. Again, it is a packed slate. We're going to fly through as much of it as possible. Well, what we're going to do, since there's no NBA, we've been having fun with the same game parlays. We're going to give you a Major League Baseball same game parlay. 
We're going to go to the late game here. Might as well. Uh, you can get involved with Dodgers, Rockies. What are you, halftime of the national chat? Not even. This will be like the middle of the first half probably there uh, for Dodgers, Rockies, DRS. Uh, the Dodgers are a huge favorite at home against Colorado. What are you doing here for a same game parlay? Yeah, eight and a half total in this one. Heavy favorite here for the Dodgers. But yeah, the joke would be like, oh, 10-10 start time. Exactly the same as the college basketball national championship game. So you can watch it all the way through. Quite frankly, with the pitch clock, maybe even get Colorado and L.A. a little bit earlier to finish up than the actual one shining moment here that many people are going to want to stay up at midnight. That's for another day. We'll certainly be able to talk about that. Let's get to the parlay here and what makes some sense. Now, how about this? The early early bird doesn't get the worm here, Kevin. Why? I took a plus 521, which right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook is at a plus 586. And it comes from a Dodgers perspective. If you guys are lining up games, if you're betting favorites or parlays, that's fine. But one of the markets that's extremely fun here at the FanDuel Sportsbook is forget about even just to get a hit here. Forget about a team total itself. Take a look at some of these to record a run and record an RBI parlay that you can make sense. And they seem like they correlate. I'm going to take Will Smith to get an RBI right in the middle of that Dodger lineup. I'm going to take Max Muncy to get an RBI right in the middle of that Dodger lineup. And Mookie Betts, who leads off to score a run, which means Muncy or Will Smith probably knocked him in. If you take a look at the pitcher on the mound today mm-hmm. for Colorado Feltner, really struggled last year with a high exit. I think the Dodgers can do some damage. And quite frankly, Kevin, they score four or five runs. You're probably going to cash this ticket in at close to six to one. These are a lot of fun to do. You don't need a lot of money. $25 pays back $146 right now at the plus wow. 586 price. Sensational stuff. I'm looking forward to it. It's a way to have some fun here early in the season, Kevin. Big time payout, no doubt. I figured I'd attack the strikeout market here. One thing for those that bet strikeout props know, well, if you're honest, is they will, cl- more, more often than not, they'll finish right around the number. Feltner tonight's four and a half. Grove is a four and a half as well. Your most likely outcomes are four, five, and six in terms of where these guys are going to finish with their strikeout numbers. Let's get both guys for four-plus Hayes there at a plus 108 price with a little same-game parlay here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Here's my takeaway, though, DRS, heading into this game. Michael Grove. I see the name. It doesn't jump Mm -hmm. off the page. Last year was the first time we saw him up with the Dodgers. My expectation, Mm -hmm. he's probably going to finish uh, with about a, what, a a, a three ERA and 15 wins. Because this is what the Dodgers do. Some guy you never heard of all of a sudden winning 15 games. What's the expectations here, though, uh, in any other approach for you with Dodgers-Rockies? Yeah, and here we go, Kevin. We're in April. Well, at least this game's in L.A. We're expecting 50-degree temperatures out there in Chavez Ravine, so certainly not the warmest conditions for ball travel, particularly out on the West Coast. But we do have two guys with some high XFIPs here. And you're right, Grove. Last year, Kevin, a 5.71 XFIP number, which is terrible. Strikeout you know, percentage under 20%, which is bad. But take a look yeah. at this, Kevin. Here's where he might actually succeed. To left-handed batters last year, Kevin, he faced 75 of those. A 360 weighted on base average. Terrible. An ISO power number, 246. Can't get any lefties out. But he does do extremely well against right-handed batters. 290 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 148. Now, how does that translate to what we expect here from the Colorado Rockies and their lineup? They're not left-handed driven tonight. Pro four, Blackman and McMahon. That's it. Three of nine batters here from the left side. So if you want to maybe zero in and say, okay, Black, we can do some damage or McMahon. That might happen, but the rest of the lineup here doesn't really face or, you know, face off all that well against Grove, who, if you do have a lefty-centric lineup, you could do some damage. The Rockies don't have that, Kevin. No, they, they certainly 
do not. Again, an interesting set there where you had the Padres against the Rockies at home and the Dodgers against the Diamondbacks at home. And both the Diamondbacks and the Rockies able to grab two out of the four games. It'll be interesting to see if the Dodgers can now capitalize a little bit more here Mm -hmm. as things carry on. Let's hit the two-day baseball games uh, for people. Brewers-Mets is the first game game of the day. Excuse me. Minus 120 as Freddy Peralta goes up against Carlos Carrasco. Total here is an eight. Yeah, and the first thing I circled here was under. Now, we are going to be in a dome situation, so it's not going to be cold up Mm. in Milwaukee. And if it is, the dome will be covered there, something to keep an eye on. But also, both of these lineups, completely different the way they match up. Krasko on the mound did have a slightly higher XFIP number last year at 4.08, but he did have good ISO power numbers to keep that power in the ballpark. Not a great lineup here shaping up for the Milwaukee Brewers, which is why I flip it over to the New York Mets. Going up against Peralta, who's a strikeout machine, Kevin. 27% of the batters he faced last year, Mm -hmm. he did strike out. Exit was a little bit high, but also take a look at his splits here, Kevin. 134 batters he faced from the left side, 183 from the right side. Take a look at these weighted on base percentages. 227 the lefties, 271 the righties. Both ISO power numbers around .1. He was fantastic. Now, this Mets lineup comes in. Last year, they were sensational, Kevin, hitting against right-handed pitching. If we're looking at the anticipated lineup tonight, you got seven-plus batters, which means 325 or higher weighted on base percentages last year against right-handed pitching. But do you see where I'm going here, Kevin? Everything I'm bringing Mm -hmm. up to us here is from last year, months and months and months ago. And in some situations here, the offense really hasn't translated just yet. It's not a game that I'm really interested in, but if I were to look under, this might be one of those games early in the afternoon. Understandable. I thought it would be noteworthy to just bring up here. We talk about, you know, hitter versus pitcher uh, career statistics and usually limited sample sizes, but this is one of the strongest you'll see. Willie Adamas against Carlos Carrasco, a 778 batting average, seven of nine. Uh, again, that's just very, very strong there. Do you want to pair yeah. him with perhaps uh, a, a Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, whatever it might be, a hitter prop parlay? I thought that would be noteworthy uh, at minimum. The other day baseball game is the Chicago White Sox home opener. They're coming off of a four-game set against the Astros. They're probably happy to see themselves be 2-2 two and two as they enter this game against the San Francisco Giants. Kopech has the ball. He's a minus-134 favorite. 50 degrees, Kevin, rain, and also a wind blowing in. So it's not going to help certain for the offense, even if this day game does get played. But having said that, if it does, and maybe better conditions a little bit later on, Di Scalafani was terrible last year, Kevin. A 5.26 XFIP number. Didn't get very many mm-hmm. strikeouts here. And also, take a look at this. These are ones where you would wish today it was like, okay, mid-May, late May, early June, 78 degrees, wind blowing out. Why is that? Take a look at these. 37 batters from the left-hand side, 57 from the right. So he doesn't even have all that many stats to go off of last year. But he was terrible, Kevin. A 438 weighted on base percentage of lefties, a 460 to righties. You would almost say, man, I just want to tee off here and take the White Sox. Now, granted, they didn't match up all that great against right-handed batters. They didn't have a great season last year overall. But this is one of those games where, oh, man, Kevin, I wish it was July already with some heat and some wind to help us out. But you get what you get here. Mm. 50 degrees and some rain might be a sloppy game out there. One interesting thing last year was how awesome Kopech was to start the season and how things then uh, unraveled. In April, a 1.42 ERA, and in May, a 1.17. So he got to June with an ERA that was sitting sub two, and then it just completely blew up in his face. If that's a fatigue factor, Kopech might be a guy that you want to bet on 
early in the season, a home opener for the White Sox here, Kopech might be a side. Uh, a game that I think will certainly pop for people, and I know for you and I, uh, is going to be a game between the Phillies and the Yankees here. The Yanks at home once again against the Phillies team that's still looking for their first win of the season. Nestor Cortez has the ball against Taiwan Walker. Yeah, Nestor Cortez's numbers last year were sensational for the lefty. You take a look at 106 batters he faced lefty on lefty last year, dominated him, Kevin, at 190 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of only 041. Right-handed batters didn't fare all that much better. A 258 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 141. Now, the Phillies certainly all win three, so the pressure will be on them. Yesterday, Falter was actually very good. They just couldn't crank up the offense against Martin Perez. Today, Taiwan Walker is going to make his Philadelphia Phillies debut, going up against a Yankee team that right now is playing better baseball than the Phillies. But Taiwan Walker was pretty good last year. If we're looking from a weather perspective also, Kevin, close to 60 degrees at first pitch, but a win that's going to blow from the right foul line to the left foul line. So not a lot of ton of help in this one. But the Phillies really need a win. Not to say they can get one. And if I'm just looking at pitcher on pitcher, Cortez is one of those guys that can really put a stranglehold on the Phillies lineup. Tough start for the Phillies to go on the road with the Yankees and on the road for the Rangers, who, quite frankly, Kevin, the Phillies have actually lost 12 straight games against the Texas Rangers, which is ridiculous because that is an American hmm. League, National League thing, which means that's years and yeah. years and years of beating the Phillies down. Doesn't look great here for the fight in Phillies tonight. Probably would lean more towards the Yanks. Well, uh, you know, it's baseball. Right. When is there a panic button in baseball? Does that like if they if no. they get swept, Donnie, by the Yankees here, three games set. Oh, and seven. Is there a conversation? I, I, I don't I mean, it wouldn't be the greatest start, but you would say like typically in baseball, I, I would doubt they get swept back to back series. But being on the road, eventually you'll come home. You're going to get hot. You're going to get Bryce Harper back. Yeah. There's other things to look forward to. And also Wheeler and Nola aren't going to be bad every single time they start out there. So I, I wouldn't push the button. But again, you're not going to win any divisions, Kevin, starting 0-7 in Major League Baseball. So there's that. No, and, and, and not that uh, the Mets and the Braves are, are unbeaten, right? But obviously... Those are, you know, two really, really good baseball teams yeah. that, that sit on top of the Philadelphia Phillies. And to your point, look, odds are they are not going to be swept in this series. It's not like they're, a, you know, plus 300 to win today's baseball game. It's just obviously the way things started in Texas were a bit stunning. To get 27 yeah. runs put up on the, on the Phillies in those first two games and then to have to go to the Bronx as like a pick-me-up spot – their next series is home against Cincinnati for three. They're going to be favored in all three of those games. I don't even need to see the pitching matchups there. You wish that that series was now. And then you could get to the Bronx here. We'll maybe hit one or two more baseball games and get you that national championship preview. UConn, San Diego State. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Folks, what do you say we keep things rock and rolling here quickly? Just two more baseball games, and then we'll get you that national championship preview. Really fun game between two of the better teams in the NL, the Braves and the Cardinals. I think, now look, not that Woodford is a 10-bell is a pitcher, but the Braves laying a number in Washington, that's not a surprise. Minus 130 in St. Louis, it shows the respect Atlanta commands, Donnie. Total for this one's an eight. Yeah, how about this? 72 degrees with a wind blowing out to left field. So maybe we get some runs Whoa. in this one here. If we take a look at Morton last year, 4.11 x which wasn't bad, Kevin, and a good strikeout pitcher. 28% of the batters he faced in 2022, he did strike out, but he did struggle a little bit, Kevin, with left-handed bats, 334 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 229, which is almost basically in that double range from what you would like that to be at. You take a look about four to five lefties expected in the lineup for St. Louis, then just flip it over to Atlanta's hitters here, which I like what they got going on early in the season. It's always nice when you open up against the Washington Nationals, who we don't think too much of. But how about this? Woodford splits here, Kevin, a 4.74 XFIP with a low K percentage of around 13%. That's terrible, but he got around that last year. Lefty batters, a 316 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of only 042. How about right-handed batters, Kevin? Even worse, 247 weighted on base percentage and an ISO of 080. So maybe he's doing the job, but I still do look at some of those early weather conditions where 72 feels like 102 compared to some of the Major League Baseball games we've been talking mm -hmm. about the past couple days yeah one thing that did catch my eye last year is just charlie morton was horrendous on the road and atlanta hardly a pitcher's ballpark there the era was basically a three he was flirting with a six on the road last season we'll see if those struggles continue in st louis and then the last one here you tell me maybe your favorite game of the day it's boston and pittsburgh crawford has the ball there for the Red Sox here, they were able to pull back two against the Baltimore Orioles, and they're favored to pull back another one here. Total for this one is big time, relatively speaking. It's nine and a half. Yeah, cold weather out there. About 51 degrees at first pitch, Kevin, but double digits blowing out roughly to left center field. That should help out. Take a look at Cutter Crawford here. 4.94 XFIP number, but take a look at this, Kevin. 139 batters he faced last year from the left-hand side. Boy, they got to him. A 397 weighted on base percentage coupled with an ISO of 325. Again, why is that important? The anticipated starting mm -hmm. lineup for the Buccos today. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. As many as five to six left-handed batters expected in the lineup. They might be able to do a little bit of damage so possibly an overlook if we flip it over from a boston perspective Ovito was actually good last year a 4.87 x it's like man you can't get away with that because of his walk percentage was around 10 percent. that's always going to lift those x numbers but take a look at what he's done kevin between lefty and righty batters to lefties last year faced 101 of those weighted on base percentage 268 how about righties 141 he faced only a 309 weighted on base percentage maybe an upset early in the season for the pittsburgh pirates here i think they match up pretty well with boston all right something to keep your eye on yeah. let's then keep this thing moving Don't though could there be an upset tonight no. in the national championship game we have uconn mm. and we have san diego state the huskies are seven and a half point favorite the total here is 132 and a half you and i were chatting on friday about potential mm. national championship game matchups and i said that i thought that san diego state 
actually had the worst chance of anybody to beat UConn, despite the fact that their line was three and a half look ahead. Well, apparently they all of a sudden agreed. UConn is now a seven and a half point favorite here where that is difficult for what we do is you kind of battle what you think is going to happen versus value. And unquestionably, when they hang a look-ahead line at three and a half, we play two basketball games, and it's seven and a half. It's pretty easy to argue there's value on San Diego State. But what's value when UConn is up 15 with three minutes left in this basketball game, DRS? Yep, you could chance CLV if you got in early on that line. And, you you know, congratulations to yourself on that. But the games do have to play out on the court. So as we try to analyze this one and what makes sense, well, granted, UConn is the better team overall. But, Kevin, again, as I say, it's not a three-game series. It's not a five. It's not a seven. It's a one-game series, which means the better team plays tonight, the better team is going to win. Now, having said that, do the refs creep into it? Do we get injury information? Do we get that on Saturday? Like, oh, no, here we go, right? Star players getting sick. It's making its way around the locker room, and away we go with that. Let's just say we get a clean performance tonight. I really would be shocked if UConn got upset by San Diego State, but we've seen crazier things happen before. But you're right. The market jump here, no real – it wasn't like you know San Diego State's best player got injured or two players got suspended the night before the national championship game. It is rare that you see a line jump that many points, but I do think it's indicative of – of the betting markets where you're watching UConn going like, what am I missing here, Kevin? And you brought this point up quite a few times last week. Boy, if this was a, if, if you just slapped San Diego State with a new Big East patch, whoa, oh, oh, UConn, now you got something to think about. But they're not in the Big East. And UConn rolls teams outside of the Big East. And they've been doing that all the way through the tournament. So what stops them tonight? Well, it's a higher point spread here. We're not talking about three and a half and four and a half and five and a half. It's much higher. So theoretically, you're going to need a double digit yeah. win by UConn. But most betters in the betting market are going like, yeah, and they probably will do that tonight. Well, yeah, because every single one of the out-of-conference results has been a cover and a double-digit victory. Yeah. Every, sing every single one of them. For me, I feel more comfortable going under on the 132.5. Yes. Uh, you, uh, yeah. San Diego State played 12 consecutive unders, Donnie, before that over against FAU. They've been an underdog five times this year. All five of those basketball games have gone under, and UConn playing elite defenses, which the Aztecs are, unders, unders, unders. You look at their games against Creighton and Seton Hall in the Big East, that is the way those games typically go for the Huskies. Now, I think it's, it is a little concerning. Foul game late, right, carries on more. We know UConn can fill it up, and it's such a low number, but based on everything I'm seeing, it, it's probably the right way to play the game tonight. It also, and we talk about, you know, correlated, which way are you going to go? If we're taking a look at an over situation, what are you probably looking at? UConn probably winning and covering, and that's the game flow they would like to have. Not to say UConn is like Alabama, and they're a top five team, you know, going up and down a tempo. They're not. But looking at San Diego State, what makes the most sense for them, Kevin? Let's get into a game that's played in the high 50s or low 60s, or really get up and down the court and try to run with UConn. That doesn't make any sense. So if you're looking to back UConn, you better have a feel in this game that it is going to go under the total, limited possessions better chance to cover where you get in the three four and close to five possessions here with covering the spread that's the way i see it play out tonight but sometimes you look at uconn and go well yeah you can slow it down they could still drub you by 15 points you take a look at a team like oh st mary's going to come out and dictate the pace well early st mary's actually dictated the pace against uconn until uconn just woke up and goes okay 
let's just play basketball here and rolled St. Mary's the rest of the way. That's what's so tough to overcome. And we talk about UConn as the individual matchups. It's again, again, the, the whole hockey line change for me. Everybody, oh, they're really going to miss that guy when he goes out. They haven't missed anybody going out of the game. It's like when the bench comes in, they hold the leader <laughs> actually extended here, which is impressive. Yeah. And that's what you're getting out of UConn. They can beat you, Kevin, on so many different ways. You want to go down low, they can beat you. You want to shoot the three-point shot, they can beat you. And how about on defense? The hardest thing to do is say, well, we're going to defend the three-point line. And, oh, yeah, if you want to go in, we have like seven-footers standing around that can be active and block your shot, especially against a team like San Diego State, Kevin. They're not built from the three-point line. They're not going to sit out there and be like, hey, you know what? We're going to shoot a million three-point shots, and that's the ultimate equalizer. It's not what they do. Yeah, it's certainly not. As we go to player props here, there are a couple of numbers that are really interesting. Sunogo, by the way, minus 160 to be yeah. the most outstanding player, and rightfully so. I thought that Hawkins would be the guy against Miami. I can't really blame that on the illness. Sonogo came out and hit two threes in the opening five minutes of the game and continued <laughs> to play very well. Hawkins got hot. Hurley put him to the bench while he was getting hot. It, that, I think, is probably where, as a better, I should have said, you know what? You did ignore the illness a little too much there. Because I think under normal circumstances, you would expect Jordan Hawkins to stay in. There's a number tonight, though, that I'm staring at going, uh-oh, I must not have all the information. Or it could be the matchup. Jordan Hawkins is minus 114, Don, to hit three threes. That's something that he has done in every single NCAA tournament game. Volume is always anticipated to be there for one of the best shooters in college basketball. Do I really have to be that worried about SDSU running them off of the three-point line here? Or can I go off with Hawkins to make three threes? Yeah, it's, it's not a great matchup there if you're looking for a guy just to knock down three-point shots. They're third in the country here at about 28%. Yeah. Actually, it's a little bit higher than what it was a few days ago when they were hovering in that, like, 27.8 range. But also, mm -hmm. when you take a look at three-point shots, they'll let you shoot them, Kevin. 40% of the shots come from behind the arc going up against San Diego State. So it's not for the matter of they can't make those three-point shots or they chase you off. They'll defend it extremely well, but they do let you shoot it. They're actually 282nd in the country at letting you shoot the three-point shot out of, what, like 363 teams? So it's not as if you have a top five defense out there from the three-point line and a top 10 defense at running you off the three-point line, three-point shots will be available tonight for UConn. Yeah, I, I would, again, minus 114 for a guy of that nature. Sonogo's played very, very well against elite defenses this year. My dream scenario, Donnie, was mm -hmm. Hawkins' great game against Miami, Sonogo middling game, and then get a big ticket on Sonogo to win most outstanding player with an awesome national championship game. It, that strategy uh, is not going to work out here. Are there player props for this one tonight that you've circled up that feel like they're good matchup-wise? You know, I think UConn is going to win, right? And if I think, you know, if we're trying to take an angle of who can be that MOP here for UConn, there's quite a few members that can do that. But Sonogo feels like the easy one. But I got to tell you, like you said, like, you know, Hurley going to the bench. I say this by there's so many good players. Like, imagine if Sonogo was used like Drew Timmy. It's like, hey, bro, you're going to play 30-plus minutes every single night out here, and you're going to be the focal point. It seems like Sonogo will come on the court, have six straight points, then go to the bench and catch a breather, which shows you how tremendous UConn's depth actually is. So the point I'm trying to make is I'm not actually looking towards UConn tonight. 
even if I think UConn is going to win and win going away, I don't think I want a player, let's just say, that's going to be working with his body or his back to the basket here against UConn either. How about Bradley? Finally woke up, Kevin, 21 points in that game against FAU. He's going to have to be the go-to guy. If they want to win, he's got to be a master tonight and certainly be ultra-efficient and also be a confident go-to player. You take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, it's only 12 and a half here, Kevin. If I'm not looking for a huge offensive performance outside of guys that are just looking to get putbacks close to the rim, Bradley's going to have to carry it. And I like the factors you go with the hot hand. You say, well, he's been terrible for the tournament, but he wasn't terrible in the Final Four. They got that big win. He's used to playing now in that big arena. Maybe he has a great performance again. And when I mean great, Kevin, 13 points? Yeah, I'll take Bradley tonight here as a chance on a losing team to get a winning option. Uh, I want to go the other way badly. I want to go the other way very badly. I feel like he used any any good that he had left in him, Donnie, was used against FAU. He's been, he's been so bad in this tournament. He came out and just hit three threes right away. And I was like, oh, okay. Makes sense. The guy's the leading scorer. He finally figured it out. If anyone was like going to all of a sudden put him back in that box, it would be UConn, wouldn't it? That's just kind of my issue there. Now, to your point, you're not like paying a premium, right? They didn't jump his number up to 15 and a half because of the good game that he had. So, and that's the, the difficult thing with, with a number like that. I'll do, do keep this in mind, though. If you like under in the game, 132 and a half, be careful with your player props in terms of guys that make sense to the over. There's a very limited amount of numbers to actually check mm-hmm. if this game is going to land in the 120s. Or so. The national championship game, though, again, the stage is set here. UConn, a seven and a half point favorite, minus 335 on the money line to cut down the Nets. The total here is 132 and a half. We'll have you covered all day long on Sports Grid and throughout the national championship game, though, I'm not sure if In Game Live is actually going to make it to the end of it because of a ridiculous 920 tip. DRS will handle it from here on Listen Up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All 
All right, final segment of the day here for the early line on Sports Grid Network Series XM Channel 159. Donnie and Kevin, as always, 7 to 9 a.m., powering through to the table before we hand it over to Ben Stevens and the morning after, which your boy DRS will be a part of for the first few segments here, talking some college basketball, and rightfully so. It is National Championship Monday. San Diego State, an underdog to the UConn Huskies. We'll see how that one plays out. Total hovering in this low 130. So certainly a lot of betting options here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. We had a lot of topics, certainly from over the weekend, whether it's the women's game, the men's game, Major League Baseball, the pitch clock, the new rules, everything came into play. It was pretty fun to watch it certainly play out. It is Masters Week as well. And for me, the rightful passage into spring usually begins when you see the azaleas in bloom down at Augusta. But first and foremost, we got to talk about something here, which I usually am the ultimate hater. Maybe not anymore. Listen up. Women's college basketball, usually not high on my radar, but over the weekend, it certainly was. Thoroughly enjoyed the women's Final Four on Friday night. And yes, that was a Friday night game before the men's game on Saturday when they had their Final Four. But yesterday, mid-afternoon on a Sunday at 3 o'clock, found myself within minutes of turning on the women's college game to start off between LSU and Iowa. And I find myself saying, you know what? I'm sticking around all the way through. This is a lot of fun. The action, the pace, the shot making, it was all there. And even as I say, like UConn has had dynasties in the past. Tennessee has had dynasties in the past. We've seen it before. Great girls basketball players coming through and then turning professional. But nothing really caught my attention more so than the past two to three weeks here with the women's tournament and all the hype. Caitlin Clark on one side. LSU making it to the final. South Carolina's dynasty coming to an end in the final four. It was so much fun to watch, which maybe yesterday we start getting some momentum for women's college basketball. But also, let's not be remiss here. Friday night college Final Four for them was great. A Sunday afternoon game, not burying the women's game on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock where nobody would watch. You put it right in prime time on a Sunday afternoon. Everybody watched and enjoyed. Food for thought, NCAA. Good job out of you. Stay tuned for Ben Stevens in the morning after. Coming up next, right here on The Grid. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 